Hello everybody, I'm Kenneth Copeland, and this is the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. And I want you to join me today in welcoming Professor Greg Stevens to this studio again. Father, we thank you for this man. We thank you for what we're learning in the description of your word, your covenants of promise. And we thank you and we praise you and bless you. We wonder, we wonder and we joy the signs and the wonder of it all causes us to be so grateful, <laughs> so grateful to you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go once again to our golden text. I just... I can just hear Brother Hagin saying that, can't you? That's where I got that. Yes, sir. Let's go to our golden text. (laughs) (laughs) Second Peter, chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace... And peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and excellence, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by these promises, by these covenant promises, God's Word, this Word is His bond. This Word is. Everything He says is absolute truth. Amen. Yes, sir. Absolute truth. Yes, sir. God's Word is. Yes. So when He, when he says something and it's a promise, He's given you His Word. His Word. The, the Word of God is not a book. The Word of God is His bond. Yes. yes. Amen. He bound Himself to truth. Hallelujah. By these great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Greg, describe that That scene, they're sitting so close together there, so close. And I see the difference between Peter and John. John described himself. It was his confession. Mm -hmm. He described himself. The disciple whom the Lord loved. Yeah. I'm the disciple I'm the disciple whom the Lord loves. He is there in his lap. Yes, he is. And Peter comes over and says, ask him who the traitor is. Yes, he did. Because Peter's not sitting there. No, no. He's he's further away. They've been arguing about who's going to sit where and (laughs) who has the highest importance. Listen to what he said. Now, this is Kenneth talking. Mm Mm-hmm. Ask him. John said, ask him yourself. No, no, no. You ask him. You see that a lot with the disciples. You're closer to him than I am. Mm-hmm. 
John says, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> he agreed with it. Actually, Peter tries to get his attention. He's, he's trying to wave him down to get his attention, to ask him, you know, who it is. And, and so Jesus will give him some instructions to that. But I believe, and I can I'll show you this later this week, that uh, Jesus covers for Judas. Oh, yeah. He doesn't let them know. that He knew a long time before this that he was the one, but he didn't let them know. He, he is still, he's in covenant. He never broke covenant with Judas. Never, never. And he's covering him. Because, honestly, sir, some of those disciples were pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Peter being one of them. Peter will get so mad on that night, he's going to try to kill a guy who's a soldier, trained soldier. If he'd have known weeks ahead or months ahead that Judas was stealing and Judas was the one, oh, it's over. It's over. Yeah. Uh, Thomas the same way. Thomas will say, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to go. Let's go die with him. I mean, so Thomas is not what people think he is. He, Thomas was a tough guy. Yes, he He's was. a fisherman. Yes, he was. And uh, believe me, yes, sir. I'll show you some things about Judas later on in the week. That, that now, week. you can see Thomas very bold. Yes, he is. He's now, look, I don't care what you're telling me. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. That's right. And he saw it. The Lord honored that. Yes, He did. He'll meet you where your faith is. Yes, and He honored that. Well, get out of business. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's talk I a can't little. Wait. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this. Um, first of all, Moses was told to bring them to my presence, and so in the in the book of Exodus nineteen, this is after they've left Egypt. Passover night has happened. There's a very interesting little phrase here because it ties to what Paul will teach us. Paul's probably the wisest rabbinical trained man that ever was. Of course he did. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 1 and 2 says this, In the third month, the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. So now they're in the wilderness here. On the same day, here's the word, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped. Plural, plural, singular. When they got to the presence, they were no longer they. They had become one mm. in that time. Now, that takes with me over to Hebrews chapter 5, 10 verse 5. See, I'm always looking for the connectors. Hebrews 10, 5, Rabbi, I believe Rabbi Paul, people will disagree with that, says, therefore. Why could you disagree? Well, go ahead. Yeah, anyway. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So they're one body. They're in unity. Acts chapter 2. They're in unity. One body. Paul will write to us. Now, we know it's Paul here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that the Lord revealed to him concerning um, this, this Last Supper. And he talks about discerning the body. Yes, he did. So they had become one body. So when you take, when you partake of communion, the rabbis teach, it's as if you were there. And uh, you're to picture yourself. Every time you take communion in your new covenant, now, it's to picture yourself as being Greg, <clears throat> and I didn't know that. Hmm. But I do that. Yes, sir. I take communion a lot. And, and I, I, I did that. I began to do that because I, I, I want to I want to be there. That's the reason why I'm, I'm saying to you, 
Get rid of that picture. That, that, and I was just kidding with you when I told you to get it off the wall. But get that out of your mind. And you, you have the right to receive communion any time you want to. Yes, sir. As often as you do. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And that means you're placing yourself there. Yes. Over and over and over, Paul will write to us and, and identify us with that. He'll, I, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. In other words, it's identifying yourself with the crucifixion. Well, it's also identifying yourself with this new covenant. Yes. Established on better promises. And so we are to do that. Every time you take communion, my Lord, put yourself there. But it's not plural. It's one body. Yes. And he's the head of this body. That is so. And once you get the revelation of that, I'm just a member of this body. I might be the toe or the elbow, but I'm a member of this body. Then therefore, I can't say anything about you. That's right. Because if I say something about you, I'm saying something about the head of this body. Yes, sir. That's dangerous. Ground. It's very dangerous. Ground. Because see, now the, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't connect communion or the Lord's Supper or Pesach, Passover, with honor, and it's all about honor. Jesus is going to pray there. I've glorified you. He, he, he's honoring the Father, and he'll honor these men. If, if I might say this to you. I take the communion for different reasons, depending on the, where, where I'm at the time. Be very, very, very careful about what you say and how you think about politicians yes, sir. on either side. Yes, sir. Don't be, don't be doing that. You don't have any right to judge the, the, anybody in the Democratic Party or anybody in the Republican Party. We, as believers, we don't have that right. And you just, you just, you, you can't be judging people. And if you're having trouble with it, go back to that communion table. Receive it and bring them in your mind. Just see yourself bringing that person into that communion table with you. Amen. Right. You're receiving communion in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Mr. Trump, in the presence of Joe Biden, mm -hmm. in the presence of Nancy Pelosi, in the presence of... Uh, of Jack Schumer, any of them. Yeah, any, any of them. And, and just make sure See, those are, those are the people that are in leadership over us. I'm going to take that a step further because I think sometimes we, we miss it in this. You have fivefold minister gifts that Jesus placed in the church that are in leadership over you. Boy, don't you talk about your pastor. Don't you do it and try to take communion. Don't you talk about the prophet. Mock the prophet or the evangelist. That's still a serious thing. It's a thing of honor, Brother yes. Copeland. And that's what this whole meal is about. Matter of fact, I'll read it to you what Paul will, will write in 1 Corinthians. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Till he come. Because that's a statement Jesus will make. He'll say, I'm not going to drink of this <clears throat> again till I do this with you. Now look at this. Um, for wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. How are we unworthily? shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Wow. Mm. But let a man examine himself, 
and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily enters and drinketh damnation to himself. That's a key phrase because that's what will happen that night. Not discerning, not discerning the Lord's body. That's how we take it unworthily. Now look at, here's the result of it. Verse 30. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So this is the meal that heals, but if you're, man, if you're in rebellion, that's just the only word that came up in my spirit, not honoring the fivefold ministry gifts or the people that God's placed in authority over you, not honoring the body of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body, then that's, that's why many of you are weak and sick. Mm. I didn't write that. The Holy Ghost wrote that. That's right. And uh, so now, anyway, start to look at the typology of this. So that's why I'll never say anything again. Touch not my anointed. Mm-mm. Do my prophets no harm. Praise God. And uh, that's that's the answer to some of you, what, what you've been dealing with. Brother Hagin used to pray for people, and he'd say, I can't do anything about that. That's already been set into motion. If there's any way to turn that, Lord, let Give me words that I know how to, you know, you know, because sure. it, you've, you've, you're still saved, but boy, you've set the wheels in motion uh, in your life. Praise God. So this is a serious, serious thing. Um, okay, there are three things that are needed, according to the rabbis. One of the wisest sages, Gamaliel, he was the mm-hmm. rabbi teacher of Paul, um, or the apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time. He said, you really need three things for Passover, according to the word. Now, they've added things in modern to represent things. You need the Pesach or the lamb. You need the matzah, the unleavened bread, or and the mara, the bitter herbs. Those are the three things you must have for it to be a Passover seder. The wine is part of that, but if you don't have wine or the fruit of the vine, you can use water or whatever. Just You just need those three things for it to be a true um, Passover. So, what happens is you begin the weeks and days ahead. Um, in the time of Jesus, they would have been examining the lamb for that four days or so prior to, according to Levitical standards. He will enter Jerusalem and they will grill him and examine him. They're examining the lamb. That's what everything is happening. So um, you remove the leaven. Leaven is the yeast. So if you look at this, this is flat. Mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, mm-hmm. It's not, doesn't have any yeast in it. So basically a cracker. That's matzah right there. It's kosher matzah. So you remove the leaven as a type of sin. You get your house in order. You remove all the leaven out of your house. It has to be out, according to the rabbis, by, I think it's 9 a.m., two days prior to. I mean, it's got to be out by that. And that's very interesting when you connect the dots and see the timeline of Jesus. Very, very interesting thing. All right. Um, I'll bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians is what the Lord told them. I'll rescue you from their bondage. There's there's four cups. And so what I'm doing is I'm reading now or quoting to you the four different, why there's four different ones. I'll take you with my people. I'll be your God. Notice, I will, I will. I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. Because that goes back to that covenant of Abraham. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm the greater. I'm the one that's going to be responsible for this. Abraham realized that and will confirm it when he takes Isaac up the mountain. Okay, so uh, the very first thing that we do is um, with the sin, the leaven has been removed from the house. And customarily, you'll bring the 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 candles in. Now, in the time of Jesus, it wouldn't have been candles. It would have been little lamps. Yes. Um, traditionally, the women always light the lamps and the candles. 
Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. And the reason why is they open this covenant is because the light of the world will come through woman. This goes all the way back to yes. Eve. This is exactly why this happens. It happens every Friday night in Jewish homes, and it happened on, on that night as well. I believe the families were with them when they were there. Next thing you do is you wash your hands. All right. Um, it's customary to do that at that point, but there's two washings that happen in Passover, and you'll see it with Jesus. There will be two washings that night. They'll wash their hands at the beginning, then he's going to get up and wash their feet, yeah. which is going to be totally a total departure for in that second washing. That's why Peter took issue with it. Okay. Traditionally, um, now there are four cups of wine. So instead of having, you may have four cups or you may have one cup and you fill it four times. Um, in the time of Jesus, it may have actually only been three. And there's reasons for that. Um, the first cup is the cup of sanctification or being set apart. Remember, they were in Egypt, but they lived in Goshen. Mm-hmm. So even then, he's set them apart. In Luke 22, verses 17 and, and 18. that's where the light was. That's where the light was. Goshen. That's exactly right. In uh, Luke 22, verse 17 and 18, it says this. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That's the cup of sanctification. That's that first cup. The second cup is referred to as the cup of plagues. Nobody wants to drink that one. You don't, you're not rejoicing in the sufferings of the plagues. You're, rec- you're recalling the cost of redemption. You're reminding yourself in that second cup, man, it cost. It cost a lot. Those people suffered. The Egyptians. You know, Pharaoh's heart was just hardened and hardened and hardened. Tell that last one. Um, and then the next cup, that third cup, is the one that you take after supper. The scripture says the last cup is the cup of redemption. The third cup represents the blood of the lamb that you had put on your doorpost. And so now here's an interesting thing in Luke 22, 20, Jesus will take the cup after supper and say, this is my blood. I'm the cup of redemption. He's identifying. You've always looked at this as the blood of the lamb. I'm the lamb. This is the cup of redemption. And I'm the only one that can drink of this. I'm the only one that could have redeemed you. Glory to God. Amen, right? And so he's identified. And now they're looking at it. They've done this all their lives. But the moment he took that cup, that's why John made note of it. That's why Luke made note of it. After supper. After supper. He's identifying the third cup. It's the cup of redemption. And Jesus said, this is me. I'm the cup of redemption. Isn't that good? Yes, so is. now here's the bread. The bread is without sin. It's, it's, it has no leaven in it. And um, if you'll notice the matzah, it is striped and pierced. Yes, it is. And it, it, it typifies the body of Jesus. It has no salt in it either. It has no salt in it. That's exactly right. It's, it's got stripes laid upon it. And I don't know if you can see it. There's, a little, there's little holes where it's been pierced. So now what they do... In Passover, now, you wouldn't use this, this is a Ziploc bag thing here, but I did this so you could see it. You take three low, three of these together, and they stand for, the rabbis call it the unity. And they're, they stand for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you put the three in here. But before you, as you do that, you take Isaac, the middle one. You take Isaac, and you break it. 
You put that half back in its place, unified with the others. You seal that up. Um, and then you take the broken Isaac and you, you wrap it in linen. Like this. And then you have everybody hide their eyes. And it's called the Athikomen. And you go hide this. You bury this. Isaac is broken, wrapped in linen, and buried. At the end of the meal, you send the children to go find him. And when you do, excuse me, when you bring this back, you open this up. And from this piece, Jesus will take it and say, this is my body, which was broken for you. He's identifying, I'm Isaac. When Abraham said the Lord would provide, he's ta- he was talking about me. And then he'll take this piece and he begins to divide it. Now, it's very significant. This is the piece that you will take. You've already eaten some matzah earlier in the meal. But he will take, you take this and you mix it with some, this is the second sop. And you'll mix that with bitter herbs and the vegetable. And, and you'll, you'll dip that. So that's, that's exactly what that is. Now we would say the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the rabbis call it the, the bread of unity. So they'll begin to dip this. And this, at this point, is after this second dipping, is the second washing. Mm. Now he leaves. Judas will leave before, right as, as this is happening in all of this. And, and so we just made a point. All of you drink it. All of you. It was very important that Judas drink it. Yes. And then he gave him another opportunity. When he had him, he he fed Judas out of his own plate. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Isn't that called the salt covenant? Yes. Essentially? Yeah. And it's 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 dipping in the 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 mar the bitter herbs represent the suffering yes and they represent slavery yeah. so he will partake in the Lord's suffering now this, this is a this this still a in the Middle East this is still a custom if if you come to my home and I invite you to supper and then I hand you out of my plate. We've entered into a covenant. Yes, sir. You're in my home. And while you're in my home, I'm the provider. And we're in covenant together. Now, they've seen Jesus do this. They've seen him bless the bread before and do that. We'll show you next time. We're out of time. What's going to happen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.